0: alright John, give it up for Ruth as she reads scripture for us this morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning Bethel friends. Um, today we'll be reading from Romans chapter 16, verse 19 and 20. For your obedience is known to all so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The good of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Romanos 16, 19, 20. Porque vuestra obediencia ha venido a ser notoria a todos, así que me gozo de vosotros. Pero quiero que seáis sabios para el bien e ingenuos para el mal. Y el Dios de paz aplastará en breve a Satanás bajo vuestros pies. La gracia de nuestro Señor Jesucristo sea con vosotros. Amen. 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 Pray with me, church. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Lord, as we consider the text today and we consider the enemy, our enemy, Satan, Father, we pray that you will remind us and encourage our hearts that he is already a defeated foe and his final blow is on the way. Lord, we pray that we will leave encouraged, we'll leave inspired, and we will leave transformed by your grace and according to your mercy. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody said. Before I get into the word this morning, it is only right that we celebrate a new marriage that happened upon yesterday. Can y'all give it up for Mr. and Mrs. Yarbrough? yeah 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 we love when love happens. Oh, yeah. Teddy Pendergrass said yeah. Yeah, I remember what he said, right? Feels Feel so good what? Loved by somebody uh, come bad. on now yeah. come on sometimes they like to act like all they listen to is uh 102 point three and 90 point one but I know that the saints have dibbled and dabbled in some other things, you know nevertheless let's get let's get to the word. if you have been on uh, social media lately, you may have noticed the grand debate surrounding the new movie Mortal Kombat. Some people think it was trash, <laughs> while others think it was great. I'm in the trash category, <laughs> but I'm still going to use it to preach. And that's life, right? All people never agree on the same thing. You can't get everybody to agree on the same thing. Growing up, I used to love the one, one line that said, finish him. I used to love that line. It said, finish him. But sub-zero, sub-zero, that was my dude. I got down with sub-zero. It was either sub-zero, but sub-zero was number two in my book, who I love, 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 absolutely love. Here it is, Stephen. Don't judge me, as I love Luke Kane, y'all. I love Luke Kane. With the bicycle kick, I love Liu Kang. He was a bad boy, although they made him soft in the new movie. But the old Liu Kang, if you knew the old Liu Kang, that was a bad boy. However, what is is really classic about Mortal Kombat is its fatalities. And what about Scorpion, who, who is known for that one line, get over here? The basic fatalities are finishing moves that allow the victorious character to end a match in a special way by destroying their defeated, defenseless opponent. And in our text today, Paul takes us into a spiritual, mortal combat. And the combat is between God and the devil. And this has been a long, ancient battle that was started in heaven, and we get a glimpse of it in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Here's some scripture here for you. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. Then in Revelation 12, 7. Ever Paul, in this text, takes us, church, to the final battle between God and Satan. Call it round three, if you will. The end of the combat. He literally takes us to the finish him part, the fatality of Satan. God, the victor, will win the match in a special way by destroying his, our defeated, the fistless opponent, Satan. But before we get to the finish him part today, let us slow down. And let us allow Paul to finish saying a couple things to us. Because as we wait for God to finish Satan, Paul has some instructions for us in round two. Before we get to round three, remember the setting. Last week, we looked at verse 17 through 18 and the abrupt warning from Paul about divisive people, no good people, wolves, if you will, and doctrinally inerrant teachers Paul reminds us of a world that is full of evil people trying to pull us into darkness and away from Christ. And if you've been walking with Jesus long enough, you know that darkness is still every now and again knocking at your doorstep, every now and again tugging at your heart, every now and again offering you things that you know that is not good for you. I wonder if I got some folks that are saints, but they're still human. Anybody in here still? struggle with darkness. I know that you hate darkness. I know you don't like darkness, but every now and again, every now and again, a desire for darkness creeps down in my soul. And I say, what if I try this? What if I go this direction? Maybe it will be all right. Okay, the rest of y'all can play holy while the rest of us get honest in this place. Some of us struggled on our way to church. Paul reminds us of a world that is full of evil people trying to pull us into darkness and away from Christ. In Mortal Kombat, it is called the nether realm. I probably said that wrong. The fiery depths, especially for those of you who are like Mortal Kombat experts, the fiery, the fiery depths of which are inhospitable to the most vile. A realm of demons and shadowy warriors such as Quan Chi, New Boat outworld in a realm of constant strife. And this is what Satan wants for the church, y'all. Listen to me, y'all. This is what he wants for the church. Satan wants the church to be in a ball of constant confusion, strife, and vow evil. That's what he wants For the church, yes, he does. Not only for the church, he wants it for your marriage. He wants it for your singleness, and he wants it for your kids. He wants you to be in confusion. He wants you to live in evil. And this is why Paul says, for your obedience is known to all so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. Some of y'all about to walk out right now, innocent to what is evil, Pastor, I got to go. I don't know, I can't relate to that. Well, Paul says something that I want to zoom in on. He says skill and good living. Mm. Well, oh, that's good there, Paul. What do you mean, skilled in good living? Well, friends, if you're gonna prepare for a battle, you must train, you must practice, and you must be ready. If you go into a battle and you have not practiced then you're going down quicker than you can say ah. Yes, you're going down. Friends, we are news flash. Let me remind you. We are in a spiritual combat with Satan. Let me say it again, because some of y'all don't believe in the devil anymore. But we are in a constant, perpetual battle against Satan and his demons and those who rule darkness. And that is a combat you and I need to take seriously. Or we will be on our knees with our heads swirling and Satan will be ready to deliver the final blow every time in our lives, in our marriage, and with our jobs, and so on and so on. Therefore, Paul tells us, watch it now, to be wise unto that which is good. Let me slow down because you got to get this. The word wise means skilled. He's telling us to be skilled in good living. Preach to us, Paul. There is only one way to become skilled at something, to become skilled at anything. That avenue is through practice. It's through practice. You don't practice, you won't get better. That's why I practice my vocal cords. Now, let's be clear. There's some things that practice can't make you better in, no matter what you do. You know, you practice all you want. If you ain't got it, you ain't got it. You know? There's something out you know, you ain't got it. The more you do something, the better at it you will get. I think what Paul is trying to tell us is that we are to give our lives to knowing and doing that which is good. He wants us to be a holy people. He wants us to be a people that love righteousness. And here's the thing. When you love something, you practice it. When you love it, you try to get better of it. Come here, Michael Jordan. Why did you practice basketball? Because you love basketball. Come here, Chris. Why do you practice the guitar? Because I love the guitar. And the more we love God, And the more we love righteousness, the more we practice at being better at it. Now, key word is practice. Practice doesn't mean perfect. Practice means I'm trying to get better at this thing. Now, don't judge me. Don't talk about me. You may catch me slipping some days. You might wonder if I'm saved some days. But, friends, I'm so grateful that it's not about perfection. It's about direction. And the reason why we can rest in direction. Is it's because the Bible says that Jesus, watch this now, Hold your shout, that he has covered for all times watch it now, that's a promise he has covered for all times, not sometimes, not part of the time, not 30 minutes not when you got it good, not when on your good days, he says for all times, he has covered, here it is, those who are being made perfect in other words, saint, you ain't gotta be a saint, if By by, by qualification of being perfect, God has already made you perfect. How? By the blood of Jesus. So he's covered all of your sins. For how long? He's covered it for a lifetime. And so since he covered it for a lifetime, now what God is doing is trying to push you towards what he has already declared you to be. And that's the paradox of Christianity. Live in the tension. Paul is saying that when we learn... To walk like Jesus, we will not be an easy mark for the devil. This is what he's saying. You practice this thing, the devil going to have a hard time with you, buddy. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. The more you walk with Jesus, the more you know Jesus, the deeper you get with Jesus, the harder it's going to be for you to be picked off by the troublemakers. That means you, saint. you're going to have to. That's have to, all right? That's that's tough right there. I want to like tough in there a little bit because it's tough. You're going to have to spend some time in the Bible. Oh, I know that's hard for some of y'all. But I don't understand that book. I be trying to read it. I feel you. But it's not impossible. You're going to have to spend some time in the book. But God ain't just calling you to a classroom. You're going to have to learn how to live that thing as well. You're going to have to get in the book. You're going to have to learn how to live it. Now, here's the good news. That you ain't got to try and do it on your own because God has put something down in the inside of you. Called the Holy Spirit. Y'all to get to know him a little bit. But he's down in the inside of us. And and, and he's directing us. And he's leading us. And when the Holy Spirit and the word get together, it gives the devil a heck of a time, y'all. It gives him a run for his money. Because the, the Bible says greater is him that is in you than the one that is in the world. That's good news. I need something down in the inside of me that's more powerful than the junk that's pulling me. You got to learn how to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord. You got to learn how to be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. Friends, you got to learn. Let me say that again. That sounded so good. I got to play it back. You got to learn to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Man, some saints you sit back and you'll wonder how they keep from going under. Friends, I'm trying to tell you that I know y'all caught that some of y'all. Y'all will catch it later on. But, 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 but there's some saints that have learned to be strong in the Lord. You got to learn how to depend on his power. You got to learn how to lean on him. You got to learn how to trust him even when you can't trace him. You got to learn to believe God when all other circumstances are contradicting God. You got to know that the Word is true, even when science says that it's not true. You got to know that it's true when the highest of education says that it's not true. You got to learn how to stand on the Lord. Friends, if you want to become better at this Christian life, you are going, if you're going to be effective against the dark world, you're just going to have to practice righteousness. I wish I had another way around it. You know, Michael Jordan, you know, maybe if there was another way around of not practicing, maybe you would have took it. But friends, it's a practice thing by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the help of the Lord. Like Sonya Blade and Luke Kane in the movie, they had to practice in order to unlock what was inside of them. And friends, what I'm saying, the more that you practice, the more you'll unlock what God has already planted down in the inside of you. Many of you know, Paige and I recently bought a house, and they recently did this spray treatment, y'all. They did a spray treatment on my lawn, y'all. And, and, and the spray treatment, the, the intentionality of it is so that one day I'll have grass. Now, listen, they did their job, y'all. Now it's on me, and I'm nervous because I'm not good at the lawn stuff, y'all. So I asked Angie. I said, Angie, she's good at lawn stuff. So, so I went to Angie. I said, Angie, how much do I need to water the grass or, or how long? And she said to me, y'all, you just look at it and you can tell. Don't soak it. But that didn't help me because I'm like, what do you mean look at it? I don't even know what I'm looking for. I wasn't helping because I don't know what to look for. But because she practiced lawn care so much, she could look and tell what was good and what was bad for the grass. She had a lot of practice. She developed an eye. And friends, all week long, I've been studying and I've been practicing. I I, I went to listen to some YouTube videos because I needed some knowledge on how to practice how to grow grass. Am I, and for sure, I'm making some mistakes, but friends, I'm getting better. In fact, I woke up this morning. Morning, and there was little green little spikes all around my yard. I say, I'm doing something right, but there were some areas where it wasn't no grass, and I knew that I did some things wrong in those places, but friends, the more I practice, the better it will become, but you have to pick up on, on, on you got to pick up your own YouTube knowledge. You got to pick up your own YouTube knowledge. Friends, you say, what YouTube knowledge? I'm talking about them 66 books God has given you, but you just don't learn life Uh, 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 you don't learn how to live righteously just through a book. God didn't just call you to the classroom, but he called you to put it into practice. And friends, guess what's going to happen over time? The more you read that word, the more you get in the word, the more it's in your mind, the more it's in your heart. You will be like Angie. Over time, you will develop an eye. You will get a sense. You will get in tune with the Holy Spirit, and you will be able to discern good from evil. You will be able to discern what is good and what is bad for your life we got to develop an eye for the enemy. But most of us, if we're honest, we are blind. You say, why, Pastor? Because we practice the opposite of what Paul encourages us to practice. Here it is. For your obedience is known to all so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. Paul says, I want you to be skilled in good living, and on the contrary, I want you to be unskilled in bad living. Come here, Paul. The last phrase is a blessing. Paul says, I want you to be simple concerning evil. It carries the idea of Being naive or being innocent, it means free from uh, 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 evil. It means to be unsophisticated, untainted by evil. It speaks of a person who has not tasted the fruit of the world. But what is evil? Evil is the opposite of good. It's the absence of good. Evil as the opposite of that which is upright and morally beautiful. Essentially, evil is a rejection of God. Evil entered the created order in Satan's heart. Remember, Adam and Eve, they were naive and innocent concerning evil. Adam and Eve knew nothing about evil. Adam and Eve only knew good, and that's all that they knew. But, 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 but let me drill down a little bit more on what it means to be innocent of evil. I figured this would help some of y'all. The word for innocent meant unmixed. It meant pure. Okay, that didn't help you. Here's one. You just keep looking at me when I drop this one now. In Greek, it was used of wine that was not diluted. Just keep looking right here. Some of y'all don't like y'all wine diluted. Or metal that was not weakened in any way. But they rejected God and wanted to taste evil for themselves. But did they? To experience or know evil, Adam and Eve, coming to know evil was not good for them. Nothing good comes out of a deeper relationship with evil. Adam and Eve wanted to know what was evil like. And Paul is saying, remain ignorant to evil. You don't need to know evil. You need to know God. Just trust God. Evil doesn't bring enlightenment. Instead, it brings death. We experience this with our children, right? They want to explore evil so bad. And what do we say? Baby girl, baby boy, take my word. Nothing good is going to come from exploring this evil. Nothing fruitful is going to come out of exploring this evil. But what do they want to do? They don't trust you. They want to taste it for themselves. But remember, God warned Adam and Eve, and he did it with the strongest possible language. Watch how it is in the original language. Watch the two verb constructions here. He says, dying, you shall die. In other words, God says, if you eat from this tree, I'm telling you that you are certainly going to die. There's not going to be any ifs, ands, or buts about it. If you go outside of my will, this is not going to be good for you. And some of us know that we went outside of the will of God and we found out that God was right and I was wrong. How many people had to taste the fruit in order to know that God was right and you were wrong? And some of paying for it now. And so Adam and Eve, they took from the fruit, they ate the fruit, and death said to them, get over here. And death sub-zeroed our relationship with God. We became cold towards God. Evil friends shattered the harmonious relationship that existed between mankind and his environment and each other and God. And although Adam and Eve did not die physically one day, although they didn't die physically that day, they did die spiritually that day. What is Paul saying? It is similar to what he told the church in Corinth. In regards to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. The life of faith must be received like like with the purity of faith of a child. But listen, the life of the Christian, the maturity part, must be lived like an adult warring against the enemy. Friends. It's not only good for Paul to tell us that we need to live skilled lives. It's not only good for Paul to tell us to practice righteousness. It's not only good for Paul to tell us to avoid evil, but we must believe we have the power to live a skilled life. Many of us in the room walk around scared and defeated in this Christian walk, do we not? Satan sends his sub-Zero's, his Sheba's at us, and, 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 and we walk around defeated. And you need to know you have been given power to be victorious in this mortal combat. The Bible says that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Does that mean anything to you? Do you feel that? Does that move you? Does that give you confidence? Does that put concrete under your feet? His power is greater than the power of the enemy. When there is a head-on conflict between the power of the enemy and the power of God, the power of the enemy will lose every single time. Satan loses every single time. What hinders us, though? Here it is. Get real, Pastor. What hinders us from a life of God's power is not the need to get more power, but instead is that we need need a release of the power we already have been given in our union with Jesus Christ through salvation. Let me say that again. We don't need more power. We just need to release the power that God has already given us. When I was younger and we used to play Mortal Kombat, some cats were really, really good at Mortal Kombat. They'll be going on that joystick. I mean, they're going and going. And and they knew the codes in order to release the special moves. Everybody didn't know the codes to release the special moves. And so you'll get in the ring with them and they'll do something that you that, 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 that you're like. How in the world did you do that? It's because they knew the special code in order to release the power that, that, that the character already had in the inside of them. And what I'm trying to tell you this morning is that God is already giving you the power to defeat Satan. You just got to get in tune on how to release that power. So, so pastor, tell us how do we release that power? What's inhibiting us from releasing that power in our life? We cannot minister in God's authority when we're not living under God's authority. All right. All right. Jesus Christ is true God, yet, true man, live underneath the Father's authority. Watch Jesus. Jesus says that there was nothing he said or did, watch this, that he had not first heard from the Father. Watch Jesus. In other words, Jesus lived under the authority of his heavenly Father. Here it is. Let me give you some text. John five thirty. But I do nothing without consulting the Father. I do just as I am told. My judgment is absolutely just because it is according to the will of God who sent me Is not merely my own. Now watch this, John 8, 26. I have much to say about you and much to condemn, but I want, for I say only what I have heard from the one who sent me, and he is true. So Jesus says, when you have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, then you will realize that I am he and that I do nothing, watch this, on my own, but I speak what the Father taught me. Here it is. Come here, Jesus. Jesus, friends, did only what he heard from the Father. This is huge. This is big. Jesus was able to walk in power because he stayed up under the authority of the Father. And the reason Jesus' power is released and available so much more in the Gospels than it is for us is that Jesus was sensitive to make sure that everything he did and said was in obedience to the Father. God is not going to allow you to use his power to do evil. He will only allow you to use use his power to complete his will. Jesus lived in the will of God. He didn't have a spirit of independence, rebellion, or insurrection. He had a spirit of submission to the Father. Jesus had a solid relationship with God that allowed him access and power. Friends, we have power, but it is dormant because we are not growing in our relationship with God. We're having mechanical Christianity. We're not living Christianity. And there's a story in the gospel that helps us to understand this. Over in Luke 9, Jesus said in the beginning that he had given his authority and power to his disciples. That's pretty dope. He said, hey, you 12, I'm going to give y'all power to do the things that I was doing. I'm like, oh, I wish I was there because I would love to have the power that Jesus had. And they went out and they did amazing and miraculous signs and wonders. But then we see in Luke 9, a little bit further, Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter and James and John. And a man comes to his other disciples down below and says, Will you heal my son? For he is caught up in these seizures by demonic activity. They were not able to heal him. They tried. It was an embarrassing moment for the disciples because they thought that they were able to defeat this thing And it comes to find out that they were unable to deliver the boy. When Jesus comes down off the mountain of transfiguration, the man comes up to him and says, watch this. I asked your disciples if they would heal my son and they couldn't. So therefore, you the master, will you? And then Jesus then heals the son. Was it God's will for the son to be healed? Absolutely. Had the disciples received authority to do that? Yes. Why was the power not release? Well, that was the question that disciples had. Jesus, why weren't we able to heal this man? Watch what Jesus says. Knocks me off my feet. Watch it. Jesus says, this kind comes out by prayer. What you talking about, Jesus. Now, if you go to the other gods, they say it comes out through prayer and fasting. What is he saying? Prayer? Fasting? What do you mean? Prayer is nothing more than spending time with God. It is a posture of dependency on God. Defeating Satan in this has nothing to do with your special moves, but you on your knees. And when we are on our knees, the enemy may think, are down and think he can finish us, but we are actually stronger and bigger and better and mightier when we are on our knees. This is about relationship with God. What would happen in ministry if we stopped depending on ourselves and our capacity and look to the heels which come our help? We got to spend time with God, church. We got to get to know God. We got to walk with him and talk with them. This cannot be mechanical for you. This cannot be check-off-the-box kind of thing with you. If you do that, You're not going to win this mortal combat. You will be defeated. But if you tell God, I want to know you. God, show me your face. God, show me your glory. God, I want to know you like a friend knows a friend. You know what God is going to do? The Bible says if you draw near to him, then God will draw near to you. And guess what's going to happen? You're going to experience power like you never experienced power ever before. There's power in walking with God. Y'all, this life, can we be honest? This life is hard. Y'all, can we be honest? Can we drop our masks for a second? Evil, so real. It's so real. But to be in Christ, Paul says, indeed, watch this. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Evil, so real, y'all. I mean, in Mortal Kombat video games, you know when you are losing because your power bar starts going down. They got two power bars. And you know when you're losing because your power bar. Starts to go down. And if your power bar goes down, it means that you're getting weaker. Anybody had some weeks and days where your power bar was low? Anybody in the room took some hits this week that you were and on Monday, you were all powered up from Sunday. But by the time Wednesday came, my power bar was half down. And now if you would have caught me on Monday, I probably would have been nicer to you. But you caught me on Wednesday, and now my power bar is half down. So you may get some things that you don't want to get. I may say some things that I would not have said. But my power bar is down because I've been getting hit all week. Every time I turn around, somebody got something to say. Every time I try to go right, somebody wants to go left. I'm getting tired. Anybody ever got sick and tired of being sick and tired? You tried to fight the battle, but now you're getting weak because your power bar is low? Attack on my mind. Attack on my job. Attack on my marriage, And y'all wonder why I ain't praying sometimes. Y'all wonder why I'm frustrated sometimes. I've been taking some hits all week long. But hold on, saint, because here's the good news. Although your power bar may be low, God's power bar is never low. Oh, this is the good one. Y'all come on and walk over to round three with me. I love this. I love round three because God is going to get a flawless Victory For those of y'all who don't watch Mortal Kombat, y'all didn't get excited, but let me explain it to you. What is flawless victory in Mortal Kombat? It is a feat achieved by winning a round without the player incurring any damage, including chip damage, from blocking over a course of a round. Friends, God will have a flawless victory over your enemy, Satan. God will incur no damages. Listen to Paul. He says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under." your feet. Mm, That's good right there. Let me read it again. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. It is noted that Paul writes the entire book of Romans without mentioning Satan. Some people see Satan everywhere and everything is Satan's doing. We need to have a balance. We need to be clear. And I'll tell you right now, not to have him in view is foolishness. And to blame him for everything is foolishness. You got some responsibility, Saint. But that's not to say that in the story of redemption, Satan isn't a huge part. This verse harkens back to Genesis 3, when God says to Satan, he will crush your head and you would crush his heel. Jesus' victory on the cross was a crushing blow to Satan. Let me make it clear. The cross is like a Mortal Kombat video game when the person has lost, but the victory is not finished yet. So in other words, when Jesus came, He finished Satan, but God is coming back to crush Satan. What does he mean? The person is defeated. But now you get to utterly destroy him. Oh, my goodness. God said, I ain't going to only destroy Satan, I'm going to embarrass Satan. I'm going to embarrass him in front of a whole wide world. Because when God gets the victory, God gets the victory. It ain't going to be no ifs, ands, or buts about it. When God gets a victory, it's a flawless victory. Everybody and their mama know that God got the victory. <laughs> There are some things in your life that your enemies thought that you were done, but in then your God stepped in. And when God stepped in, God showed out. Friends, I'm so happy that I got a God that shows out. I'll just shout for myself because I know a God that has got flawless victories in my life. God has showed out in an awesome way. People thought I was done. Had a kid at 16, thought that I wouldn't be nothing, but now God has shown the world that he is kept me. I've been married 14 years. Yes, I'm going to brag about His grace. I got my own house. I got my own business. It's not because I'm great. It's because He's great. That when He gets the victory, He's going to show up And he's going to show out, friends. And I came to tell you that he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what you're facing. I don't care if your power bar is low. You got a God whose power never runs dry. If you're connected with him, he'll give you the victory. If you call on his name, he'll give you the victory. If you stop depending on you, he'll give you victory. The victory! But remember, underline it, highlight it. Come here, worship team. Not only will he give you the victory, he's going to give you a flawless victory. Oh, it's on the way. Oh, it's coming. You keep holding on. You keep standing. You don't quit. You don't give up. It doesn't matter. God is going to give you the victory. But preacher... Satan is still alive and he's powerful and he's active. He's still our enemy and the promoter of evil in our lives. Demonic spirits are real. They were a reality in Jesus' life and they're a reality in this life. And in my personal opinion, I think they're behind the world systems. Of racism and sexism and classism, these things are demonic in nature, but God is bigger and stronger than Satan and his demons. Remember in the Gospels, whenever Jesus would show up somewhere, the demonic spirits would, would make themselves known. The demonic spirits couldn't rest in Jesus' presence. They would say, Son of God, don't torture us. Son of God, let us go into the pigs. Son of God, we know who you are. Friends, it's a good thing to know that your enemy knows who your God is. But when will God crush Satan? It's been nearly 2,000 years since Paul wrote this, and apparently his soon is different than our soon. I need to remind you that God, to God, a day is like a a, a 1,000 years is like a day to God. Paul wrote this, and God's mind is like two days ago. Final victory when God crushes Satan is coming, and this is what the word says. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. They march up over the broad plains of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever. Friends, it is coming. Until then, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And as we fight against evil, Friends, I want to encourage you to use your voices and use your lives to make a light shine in this dark world and expose the devil. And this is what Jesus did with his disciples. He sent them into the world. Don't waste your light, but let it shine. And as darkness pushes up against your light, remember that a flawless victory is on the